This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, there are a lot of things in life that we can't control as much as we would, would like to. We'd like to be able to control the weather. We control when it rains, control the heat, the cold. We'd probably like to have it somewhere around 75, 80. I don't know, some people want it 90. Uh, some people maybe want it 60 degrees. But there's things that we just can't control. We can't control how some people act or how they think. We can't control death. We can't control when we're going to die. We can't control traffic, even though some of us want to holler and yell at people for doing crazy things. We can't control time. That would be a great thing to be able to control. You know, my girls are growing up fast, and uh, as much as I would like to, to take time and slow it down so that they don't grow up and, and leave me, uh, I, can't, I can't do that. They're going to have to grow up, and they're going to have to leave me. So what do we have control of in our life? We have all these external things in our life that we can't control, so what can we control? How about ourself and having self-control? We should be able to to control ourselves. We should have self-control, especially over sin. If we're Christians, we should have self-control, and we should rely on God for that self-control. So what is self-control? Got a couple of definitions here. Uh, Dictionary.com defines it as control or restraint of oneself or one's actions, feelings, etc. Webster defines it as restraint exercised over one's own impulses. It's not in the King James Version. However, temperance, which carries the same meaning as well as self-control is. From the Greek, Thayer defines it this way. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. And then finally, James McKnight adds this thought. Where this virtue subsists, temptation can have little influence. We think about that. Where this virtue subsists, temptation can have little influence. I think what he's saying here is, if you have self-control over things in your life, it's going to be hard to tempt you with anything. If we have that self-control and we're consistent with it, it's going to be hard for things to tempt us. So self-control, especially over things that tempt you to sin, it's essential for Christians because without self-control, you can't sufficiently overcome the works of the flesh. The word self-control is only used a few times in the Bible, and like I said, it's not used in the King James Version. Instead, it usually uses the word temperance, which carries the same meaning. So let's look at some of these verses. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. So Peter is telling us, He's letting us know that self-control is something that we need to add to our faith. In Acts chapter 24, verse 25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, 
Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And here, Paul's confronting Felix about the will of God and self-control. Now, if you think about it, self-control is our response to God's instructions for us. The Bible tells us to, to, do one, you know, to do something, to do it a certain way, and if we do it that way, then we have self-control. And so if we don't, well, then we don't have self-control, especially when it comes to God's will. So if we use self-control, we won't sin, right? Sounds easy. If we don't use self-control, then what's going to happen? We're going to sin. So our self-control or lack of self-control directly affects our relationship with God and his judgment on us. That's why we need to have self-control. It helps us to not give in to the temptation to sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So prior to these verses, Paul talks about the works of the flesh and how they are manifest in the list of sinful things. Then we get to verse 22, and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is, meaning it's produced by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from our, natu- from our own nature. So self-control comes from the fruit of the Spirit. We don't come by it naturally. We get it from the Holy Spirit. So we can't have true self-control over sin without God's help, can we? We have to have God in order to have true self-control. Now, that doesn't mean that someone that maybe isn't, you know, baptized, isn't part of the church, doesn't have self-control, but they're not going to have self-control over everything. Especially if they're of this world. Now, I think a biblical definition, definition of self-control would be controlling yourself based upon the perfect will of God. So instead of looking at it as, I need to have self-control to not sin, we should look at it as, I need to have self-control to do God's will. Because God's will, or plan for your life, it doesn't involve sin at all. So do you have self-control? Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words, you're defenseless without self-control. You have no walls up, and you're defenseless to whatever, whatever may come into your life. If you have no rule of self-control over yourself, then anything can tempt you to sin. Proverbs 16, verse 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. If you rule your spirit or have self-control, you're better than, say, a general who takes over a city. And I think what he's getting to here is that it's easier to defeat an enemy than it is to control the enemy within you. Your spirit, especially a lustful spirit. Now, can you control yourself, or or where is your self-control? You know, it's a whole lot easier to define self-control than it is to actually put it into practice. You notice what Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, that, so run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is, temper, is temperate in all things. 
Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself sh- should be a castaway. Now there are several times where Paul alludes to Christianity as being a battle, and he loves to use the athlete as an example. Notice he said, those who are competing for the prize are temperate in all things. This means they are exercising self-control in their life. They have to discipline themselves every day to go out and practice and to put forth the best effort so they can run the race to the best of their ability. There are a lot of people here that played some type of sport, I'm sure, growing up. And you didn't, you didn't not practice, did you? You didn't just go out and play a game, especially if you played in high school. Coach didn't let you miss practice. You had to go out and practice, practice before you got to be put in the game. So without exercising self-control, it would be easy for them to sit back, take it easy, and be unprepared to win their prize. The same thing's true when it comes to Christianity. We must discipline ourselves every day by exercising self-control so that we don't indulge ourselves in sin. You can't control how the race will end, but you can control yourself by preparation, training your body, conditioning your muscles. The same thing goes for our Christian walk and self-control over sin. You can prepare yourself by focusing on God and his word, consistently praying for his help to keep from sin, especially those sins that we find ourselves coming back to again and again. Things that, things that I feel important to have self-control over. Now, we could go over a long list of, of things that we need to have self-control over, and we would be here Uh, we could be here for a while because there's a lot of things that we need to have self-control over. Um, I've got a few things here that I think that are very important that if we have self-control over those things, they're going to kind of take care of some of the other things that we could talk about. So we need to exercise self-control over our emotions like anger. Self-control will keep us from acting out of anger. How many of you have acted out of anger? I have. (laughs) Several times more than several times. For instance, if a person's provoking you and getting in your face, without self-control, you might, I don't know, you might punch them in the face. You might do something to harm them because you don't have self-control. I know maybe that's hard for, hard for you to think about of you've had somebody in your face before and maybe you've walked away. Well, that's because you had self-control. But imagine if you didn't have self-control. You could act out in violence against them. But if you had self-control, you might keep your composure and just walk away. And that would be the thing to do, especially as a Christian. Just keep your composure and walk away. There's nothing wrong with becoming angry unless you act upon, act upon it in a sinful way because of your anger. The Bible teaches us that. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be ye angry and sin, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In Proverbs 19, 11, The discretion of a man... Deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. If you understand the importance of exercising self-control, you'll be slow to anger in the first place, won't you? This leads us right into our next point, exercising self-control of our tongue. If you get angry, 
a lot of times what's the first thing that's going to happen? You're going to use your mouth and you're going to say things that you shouldn't say. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, swift to speak, slow to wrath. James gives us some great advice in many places about having self-control over the tongue. What James, telling, what James is telling us is that we need to prepare ourselves to learn to listen first. Don't jump to conclusions. And after you've had time to process what has been said, then take time to think about it. And think about your response before you speak in, uh, in an unkind way. I would also say this. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're about to lose it, don't continue in, in that conversation. And say something that you might regret. I've done that before. <laughs> Again, more than once. As age, I've realized it's easier just to walk away. Simply walk away and say nothing and get away from the situation. Calm down. Think about it. And then go back to the person and have a civilized conversation. And it may be, maybe it seems rude. But I can promise you that... You will get, or they will get over your silence a lot faster than they will get over whatever you're about to say out of anger. James also says this in chapter 1, verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. An uncontrolled tongue can render your religion useless and make it to where you no longer have a positive influence on those around you. Out of all the things that we need to exercise self-control over, I personally believe that the tongue is the hardest one. James gives us great detail about the tongue in James 3, verses 5 through 10. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. What comes out of our mouth, how we speak and talk to people, can ruin friendships, it can ruin marriages, it can ruin your reputation, it can ruin your opportunity to talk to people about God. If you're over here talking in one way, cussing and having dirty jokes or whatever it may be, it's going to be real hard for them to want to listen to you whenever you sit down and try to talk to them about God. And honestly, it could ruin your whole life if you let it. And we have to do everything we can to control our tongues. We should also exercise self-control when it comes to lustful thoughts. We need to follow Joseph's example and run away as fast as we can when, uh, from situations that could cause us to sin. The best way to do this is to avoid putting yourself in situations that you know will tempt you or give you an opportunity to commit a, to commit a sexual sin. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 28. Ye have heard that 
it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. I know this specifically. You know, it says, Whosoever looketh uh, on a woman committeth adultery uh, in his heart. Well, this doesn't just apply to men. It applies to women as well. What kind of thoughts do you have when you see an attractive person? Are they lustful thoughts? Because it's a sin to have lustful thoughts. Self-control over your mind and eyes uh, can be a real struggle. But we have to control it. So you turn on the TV or you're searching the web or you're on social media and you see someone wearing little to nothing. They have a six-pack, maybe they got a nice body, whatever it may be. Where are your thoughts at? What are you thinking of? Should you continue to watch that? I say turn the channel. Stop searching the web. Get off social media. And honestly, the best thing to do would be just to turn it off. Get away from it. Go do something that's going to take your mind off of it, whether it be exercising, whether it be going to visit with a friend. But stay away from it. Now, how do we strengthen our self-control? Well, the obvious answer to that is prayer. Uh, when we were baptized into Christ, our old self died, and we are now a new creature. And because of that, we can get help from God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we, as we all know, Jesus came to earth. He was tempted as we are tempted, yet didn't sin. Then he died for our sins. As Christians, we should constantly be praying. We need to pray for our self-control every day and every time that we are tempted. When you're faced with sin, pray for self-control. As you turn away, as you turn and walk away from it, pray for self-control and continue praying. You know, praying a few times over it, and being able to walk away from it once isn't enough. We need to, we need to be in constant and consistent, consistent prayer over it because we'll be tempted with it the next time we're confronted with it. You turn the TV on, you see an attractive person, you turn it off, you go do something else, you pray about it, you pray about it. A couple days later, you come back, you turn the TV on, you see an attractive person, are you going to turn it off then? Have you been praying about it? Did you just pray about it that once? Because if you did, more than likely, you're going to go back to it, and it's going to tempt you to sin. And you could very well fall into that temptation. Something else is self-control doesn't happen overnight. That's why Peter said we must continue to add to our faith self-control. This means that we're going to, take, we're going to make mistakes as Christians. We all do. But what God wants from us is to continue to get better at exercising self-control in our life. So think about things that you're good at. Did you just wake up one day and you were good at it? You know, I played, I played all four years uh, varsity in high school, soccer. 
I didn't wake up my freshman year and say, hey, I want to play soccer and go, you know, go make the team. I started when I was five or six years old. I'm sure plenty of you have, you know, similar examples of maybe it's playing basketball, volleyball, whatever it was. You didn't just wake up your freshman year in high school and say, hey, I'm going to go play and I'm going to make varsity. No, you started early in life, didn't you? So things don't happen overnight. Self-control doesn't happen overnight. And we need to try and spend our time around those who can influence and encourage us to exercise self-control instead of hanging around those who might tempt us to lose it. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Don't put yourself in a situation to sin. Put yourself in a situation to win. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? You're tempted to sin. Put yourself in a situation to win. Hope that gets stuck in your head. Next time you're tempted with sin, put yourself in a situation to win. That would mean not sinning, right? One of the greatest... Hope I hit the right button. One of the greatest helps for us to maintain self-control is by reading and studying God's Word. Proverbs... Chapter 30, verse 5 through 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add though not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Everything we need to know on how to handle our self-control can be found in God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And finally, we need to focus on keeping our thoughts righteous, uh, on righteousness. Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thanketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Are your thoughts brought into captivity in the obedience of Christ? I know not all of mine are, and I wish that they were, and I, and, I, and I pray every day that they would be. There's sometimes I get upset over silly things, and if I had all of my thoughts under the obedience of Christ, I wouldn't get angry like that, or I wouldn't think things that I don't need to think. So we need to think righteous thoughts. You can do that if you're reading your Bible and studying it daily. If you're praying consistently or constantly and consistently. If you're putting yourself in winning situations and not sinning situations. And like I said earlier, it's, it's easy to, to define self-control. It's easy to talk about it, but it's not always easy to put it into practice. 
But I, I know that with God we can. Praying to him and studying and reading the Bible, we can get those thoughts under control. And I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God today. I don't know what struggles you might have or self-control problems you might have in your life. But I do know that God can handle those things for you. And he can make it right. Give it to God and let him change your life. He's already given his son as an ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He's already done the hard part. All you have to do is come to him. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.